Welcome to a new episode of These Go to Eleven. Let's turn it up. Hey everybody, welcome back to These Go to Eleven, an unchurchy conversation about everyday faith. Please make sure you like, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcast platform. This not only helps us to get our content out there, but also helps us to find out what you, our faithful listeners, think. Pippin said to Gandalf, I didn't think it would end this way. Gandalf said, end? No, the journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path, one that we all must take. The gray rain curtain of this world rolls back and all turns to silver glass. And then you see it. What? Gandalf, see what? White shores and beyond a far green country under a swift sunrise. Well, that's not so bad. No, it's not. Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to Eleven. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Joining me as always, Greg Dutcher. Greg, what's going on, man? I'm inspired, man. Yeah. I'm serious. Two weeks in a row, the the, uh, Lord of the Rings passage, and then that beautiful mic drop in revelation 21 that's right <laughs> Ooh, talk about the best for last isn't yep. it just what a what you know what i love dude i'll just get rid i love the the practicality the beauty and the practicality of that that revelation passage in that it you know sometimes you define a hope by negating um you know by definition this not that yeah. So you've got this city coming down, and in case you're not clear, that means yeah. no more crying, no more mourning, no more pain. Yeah. That's all gone forever. It's not going to come back in maybe a month or a year. Right. Enjoy this oasis. It's just so final, so beautiful. Dovetails so nicely with the Gandalf passage. You yeah. Know, the, the the seeing the uh, the you know, silver glass the, the the green country the sunrise, woo yeah doesn't sound bad at all nope and this is this is our third in our series in September on grief and uh, we spent our first talking about how we as individuals grieve yeah uh, we spent our second talking about what we should and shouldn't do as individuals for those who are grieving. And today is the hope that we have beyond our grief, yes, beyond this life. Because really, uh, when you think about it, uh, you know, uh, our entire existence is just one big Shakespearean tragedy, right? Um, you know, things started out so well, 
and then got mucked up so yep. fast. And it it really it it should weigh on us. It mm-hmm. should depress us. Yeah. And the good news, though, is the gospel that we don't have to live with that weight. We don't have to live with that depression. Yeah, Greg, you talked about last week just the unnatural, the unnaturalness of death. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, that when God created us, He created us to live forever. Yes. Adam and Eve were supposed to live forever. We were supposed to join them in that, right? This the creation mandate, go into the world, subdue creation, fill the world with with people and and live forever and enjoy me forever, right? This is this is the first question of the Westminster Catechism, yeah. you know, what is the chief end of man? To yeah. love God and enjoy him forever. Yeah. <laughs> um and and we we mucked it up. Yes. Can't do it, won't do it, won't ever happen in our power. Christ comes down and he does it on our behalf. And now we have a hope and a joy to look forward to that one day will will not include death. Yes. Yes. Well said, dude. It's uh it's why we see it, right? We say it all the time. Why the gospel literally is good news. Mm-hmm. It's a an announcement from heaven to a a messed up world yeah. that would otherwise be a hell on earth and a hell beyond. It's yeah. just that broken, that you know, sin drenched. Uh, it's it's it's. You're right. It's a mess. So the good news is, oh, not just oh, God will mitigate against some of the extreme right. Um, negative aspects of living in this world. He'll, he'll take the edge off the pain. The promise isn't uh, ibuprofen or right. Tylenol, right? It's just a complete reversal. It, yeah. It's fairy tale-like. Yeah. And we could say, yeah, it just sounds like a fairy tale. Or we could conclude, as C.S. Lewis did, that the fairy tales are an echo yes. of the true story, and that's why every culture has so many of them. Yeah. Because deep abiding in the human heart yeah. is, I think, two things. One, a longing yes. for this eternal, unbroken fellowship with those we love and the one who made us. And I think, for our purposes, a suspicion that something's off. Yeah. Something isn't right. Uh, and they go together. Yes. Yeah, you know, the longing is there. Uh, the suspicion is there because we're thinking, feel as Lewis said, I'm built for another world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, dude, I'll say, uh, here we are, here at the end of uh, September, and in the time since my wife's mother passed, who was a mother uh, to me in so many ways, I am still do not as much, but I'm still finding myself, uh, finding myself occasionally with this little disappear as soon as it appears thought i'm gonna talk to her yeah i can call her i can oh i bet she'd love to talk about this thing that happened because it was right up her alley you know there's that sense well why is that sense there yeah and i really believe it's because the portrayal of death in scripture is not the natural conclusion right it was a violent interruption yeah uh of the plan now god is sovereign over it yep he's never threatened by it to be toppled or to be 
you know, scrambling and coming up with a, a lesser alternative right. plan. That's not the, the hope. The hope is that he knows it. He fully uh, uses its uh, horrible nature and he superintends all the details associated with it to bring in good, light, glory, etc. Yeah. So that's what we get to talk about today. Yeah. All the good stuff, dude, the hope. Yeah. And looking forward to that because, you know, you brought up Lewis and Lewis just he so eloquently takes us through this journey of you know, look at look at the nature of life and look at how things work, right? We have hunger. And in order to satisfy that that pain, that mm-hmm. unpleasantness, there's something called food yeah. that we can eat. You know, um, we we thirst. Yep. You know, and so there's something to satisfy that. Yeah. There's there's drink. There's water that helps satisfy that need, that longing that we get. And everyone, I've never spoken to anyone that doesn't have some inkling or longing for something more. Yeah. or in eternity. Yep. And and even at the very least to say that yeah, things things are messed up here. Yeah. There's something that's wrong here and so you at least have a longing for wanting something better. Yeah. And so if that's the case and logically we can look at every single um, organism mm-hmm. that has a uh, a satisfaction to their needs. Yeah. Then when we look at our need for wanting something more or needing something more, something better, then there's got to be that thing. Oh, absolutely, dude. And I, uh, again, two pop culture references, Mm -hmm. fairly recent, that have captured this. Uh, I saw Interstellar. Oh, yeah. This this summer. Man, I like Interstellar. It's just a thoughtful movie, very very Nolan-type movie. It's kind of quintessential Nolan, Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway. But those two characters, you know, when they're in flight going out to Saturn, I believe, to look for the wormhole that will somehow provide a passage to another world that can save humanity. Um, of course, they're having the deep end of the pool conversations philosophically. And McConaughey is trying to be the good humanist, secularist that science should lead him to be. But Anne Hathaway's character, who actually loved one of the explorers and astronauts who may be out there in an unseen world yet, they have a conversation about love. Mm-hmm. And she says, what do you think about love? And he goes, well, it's a social utility. I mean, we use it for connection. We use it for reproduction. We use it, you know, the, he just sort of gives the... And she says, right, I understand. She says but we love people that have died, which he doesn't have an answer for. She goes, there's no social utility in that. Yeah. There's no practice. What is that? And he doesn't really have an answer. And then, dude, I go to, uh, you know, a few years later, WandaVision. Yeah. (laughs) That beautiful little gem in that story, which I've actually seen now, or in that, which I think is original to that show, where Vision is comforting Wanda. Mm Mm-hmm on the loss of her brother um, who has died and some other losses too. And um, she talks about how painful grief is. And remember, he defines it. He says, what is grief if not love persevering? Mm. Love it. Yeah. It's, it, both are saying the same thing. There's so, 
is, is it really natural? Yeah. Why doesn't my love die with the person who dies? Yeah. It, it, it made sense when they were alive. It's socially useful and, you know, brings connection and communication and some of life's finer gifts. But when they're dead, okay, good. That's don't no longer need. That's not how it works. Yeah. We grieve. There's a, a deep sadness in our hearts because we long for more. So the question for us, dude, in our uh, remaining time, uh, the way I'm thinking of it is I'd love to share some of the general hope that all Christians agree. But you know me, Nathan. <laughs> I'm going to get that sneaky little minority view I have on how yeah. heaven works upon death in there. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so that I can add a little twist of lemon to this nice. conversation. Nice. Yeah, no, I think that's good. I think I think where we start is our relationship, right? Because that's what we're talking about is grief. And, and you, you, you grieve because of what is lost yeah. in that relationship. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, I'm uh, 13 years old, grandmother who had lived with us our entire, uh, as, as lo- far back as I could remember at that point, you know, she passes away, passes away in our home actually. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's sadness there. There's grief that goes on there. Everyone comes around to, to mourn this, this life that once was fast forward, uh, little, little over a year later, my father passes away. Um, and again, same thing, right? It's, it's the mourning of this person who's just had such an impact and that relationship that will never again be, at least on this side. Yeah. Fast forward, and what's interesting is Christ dies, so there's mourning, but then he comes back. Yeah. And the hope and the promise that we get is that relationship, when we eventually die, yeah. that'll be forever. Yeah. That will never again go away. And and we're told that all of the other saints who have died, who have gone before, will be there too. Oh, yeah. That these relationships that we had, um, they're, they're deeper than, than the grief, they're deeper than the death, that one day all of that will transcend into life eternal. And again, there will be no more tears, there will be no more grief. Yep. And and that is something to look forward to. Is oh, dude, it's beautiful. Yeah, the interruption is over, and it's interesting. It starts with our relationship with the Lord, where I think the promise there is, death is there's no interruption. Yes, and that's the foundation. The individual person, the individual believer, and his or her Savior. Yes, death does not sever the relationship. Yep. In fact, he is with us through that doorway. Yeah. Whatever that is like. I understand we live often in fear of it. Yeah. Book of Hebrews says that mankind's been enslaved to a lifelong fear of death. So Jesus comes along, and just like you said, Nathan, hey, I've gone through it. I've come mm-hmm. back. So let me tell you one thing. You have nothing to fear, and I'm going to be there with you. Yeah. It's not a time where the Lord says, okay, for the next uh, five minutes, they're kind of on their right. own, and you know, I'll be waiting for them to catch them when they come into this side. I mean, it's, no. 
Yeah. He's with us, right? Uh, the hope of David, though, uh, the valley of the shadow of death, yep. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You got to yep. quote that in King James. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that foundational truth that he, there's never an interruption. Death does not, all death does is like the old hymn says, right? Uh, the day when my faith will be sight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just brings him closer in our experience, yeah. physically present, face-to-face, etc. And then, like you said, dude, all those other dear friends, family members that have gone are there too. Yeah. Because, and, and the foundation is the Lord's relationship with each of them. Yes. Never separated. And then it's almost like he just brings us to this, yep, that interruption you had with each other, it's gone. Yeah. It's it was it was gone. Um so dude, I mean some of the general hope because I know I am going to share a few things here in a bit from Second uh, Corinthians 5 and you've heard me share this view for years now. But uh, I think all Christians can agree upon this. Um, as Paul says, and I'll read that in Second Corinthians five: to be absent from the bodies, to be mm-hmm. present with the Lord. Yep, that's that's the language of instantaneous, no gap here, there. Yep, you're absent from the body, you're present with the Lord. Uh, you're with Him, you're in His presence. It's immediate, etc. Um, I think we can agree that is the hope. So, I freely say and said at my mother-in-law's funeral. Uh, that this very moment she is experiencing inexpressible joy. Yeah. The presence of her Lord. And it fills us with a deep, deep joy. And when I say say deep joy, because it's not superficial. Right. It doesn't blot out tears on this side of heaven and satanic. It just means underneath it, through it, there is a confidence. And that's, that's Paul in first Thessalonians four, right? We want you, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't forbid grieving, right? But we don't want you to grieve as those with no hope. Yes, right. There's a type of grieving that's infused with hope. Um, but dude, you know, I I think, um, you good if I riff, dude? I think it's a little more than that, and I want to be very clear to those who have never maybe heard heard me explain this before. Uh, I do not go to the mat for this one. Yeah. This is not something I'd say, oh my goodness, this is, you've got to believe this or you're in trouble. The, the, if you get technical, yeah, what most Christians I think believe, and it's, it's solid because it's within the parameters of scripture. I just heard it at the funeral I was at recently, uh, not my mother-in-law's, another one that, when you die, mm-hmm. you're a believer in Christ, your spirit and body separate. Yep. Your spirit goes to be with the Lord, and your body is on the day of Christ's return, often called the last day or the day of resurrection. Your body is raised. Mm-hmm. The perishable puts on imperishable, to use First Corinthians 15 language, the corruptible puts on incorruptible to use that same language. Yeah. And the spirit is rejoined with a new resurrected body. Yeah. So 
Because we sit here today, dude, and I know this podcast is coming out on September the 26th, 2023, uh, we would say the, that day hasn't come. Yes. So all those that were grieving, your father, yep. my mother-in-law, father-in-law, friends that we've had that have passed on, your grandmother, the the traditional way of understanding that is their spirits are with God. Yeah. Uh, they're fully enjoying his presence and the body will join them at some point in the future. Yeah. So a person like the apostle Paul has been a spirit without a body for 2000 years. Yeah. And what a great thing that will be on the day of resurrection. He'll get his body back. So here's my thought on that, dude. I'm fine with it. Mm -hmm. It maintains all of the hope of the gospel. Yep. All of the glory of immediate ushering into the presence of Christ, that's phenomenal, uh, leaves the the wonderful truths of the resurrection in Scripture uh, to be kind of maybe you would call it a deepened hope. Uh, mm -hmm. There's more good coming. Get all that. Somebody listening says, that's exactly what I believe. I say, here, as you, dude, again, this is a video. I'm giving the air high five. Yeah. Whoosh, psh, there it is. There's their high-tech sound effect. We're just high-fiving each other. I don't think that's how it happens. Though. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's how it happens. Yeah. Um, so what I believe, Nathan, yep. uh, as you've heard me babble on for so many years, first influenced by Michael Rogers, who was my pastor uh, early to mid-'90s, mm -hmm. kind of right before Lisa and I got married and up to the point we got married and I went to seminary. He's the first person I ever heard say it. And then Arthur Custance, who was a uh, writer in sort of Reformed Presbyterianism, I think influenced him. Few other places I found at a seminary professor of mine that felt this way was the first person I ever heard argue this. Yeah. That when we die, yep. yes, our spirits do leave, but they don't just leave space yeah. and our physical bodies. They leave time. Yeah. They leave time and go where in time? Well, when I say leave time, I should say they go forward in time. They yeah. leave this present time and go forward in time to that last day. Yeah. And on that last day, what's happening? There is an instantaneous resurrection body yep. that that believer experiences. Yes. So we've still got all the same ingredients. Immediate entry into the presence of the Lord. Yeah. The reunion with those who have gone before. But there's a few added bonuses in this conception. Yeah. And it's weird. Yeah. And I get it. But Nathan, you and I are there. Yeah. And but even though we're here. Right. And uh so the way I think of it is that your father, mm -hmm. my mother in law. Uh, Martin Luther, Matthew Henry, um, Billy Graham, yeah, the Apostle Paul, yeah, are all getting there at the same time. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. Yeah, dude, think about that. Yeah, it is a mind blowing thought. So here's what I'd say: if somebody's hearing this for the first time, what what are you talking yeah. about? Let me just say it is a different sub view. Yeah, one that does not need to be embraced. Right. Uh, because the larger view over that holds the same hope. Yeah. And that's why I keep beating that drum. Immediate ushering into the presence of the Lord. Yeah. 
uh, and immediate joy. Now, I say that, dude. Yeah. All this because 2 Corinthians 5, if I can walk through this here and and then uh, Nathan, anything that jumps out at you, just yeah. ask away, comment away. Yeah, take us, take us through it. Paul says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in heavens. That first verse is packed. Clearly the tent is the physical body in the context of 2 Corinthians 5 because he calls it our earthly home. Yep. Right. The poets say this mortal coil, right? You sometimes hear to shuffle right. off this mortal coil. Yep. And he says if it's destroyed, which is clearly a reference to the death of that body, we have a, and it's interesting, a building from God. So we have a tent here. We have a building here. I think he's using the temporal language of the tabernacle, which was a tent. Yeah. And the permanent imagery of the temple. Yeah. Right, a building. So we have a tent here, and then we get a building there. It's not made with hands. It's eternal. It's a. It's. I think this is his other way of describing what he does in First Corinthians fifteen, the imperishable body. Yep. Verse two, for in this tent. Now we're back to the here and now. We groan, right? Like yeah. Romans eight. We longing. Yeah. To put on our heavenly dwelling. So that right there, verse two, we have a longing for our real, yeah. eternally designed, no disease, yeah. no decay, no sickness, body, Yeah, right? I mean, this is the body that we're going to need to inhabit in order to receive all the wonderful things God has in store for us. Yeah. Then in verse 3, it gets really interesting. He goes, if indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. Mm. If indeed by putting it on, we would not be found naked, which I take to mean that, Paul, we get the first whisper of a thought that I'm going to argue to him is not pleasant. Mm -hmm. What would it mean to be naked in this metaphor? I think he means to be a disembodied spirit. Yeah. So the concept that Paul, ironically himself I mentioned, has been up there for 2,000 years as a disembodied spirit seemed to him to be an unpleasant thought. Yeah. Verse 4. And keep in mind, Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Yes. It's not just like Paul's thinking these thoughts in his head and he's, you know... I agree. Th- I, I think there's some insight that's going on from heaven here. I do too. I do too. Um, and verse 4. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Um, and it's just the human experience, yeah. right? The groaning, uh, just like in Romans 8. Oh, my goodness, longing for the liberation. Not that we would be unclothed. So there it is again. Yeah. Which, again, the only thing I know that that could possibly mean, and I've never been able to, to hear another satisfactory interpretation, is to be a spirit without a body. Yeah. But that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal... Yeah. may be swallowed up by life. Yeah, uh, And then he goes on to say, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. And then it's a little bit later that he says, yes, we're of, a, of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Um, and so whether we're at home, at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Uh, so... 
I, I think what Paul is suggesting there is that we get our new design body at death. Yeah. This idea of being found without a house. Yeah. Uh, either, because if you think about it, it's neither. Yeah. In the traditional model, this is, I think, its weakness. Yeah. Which is the spirit leaves the body. You've, you've got this body left behind. It is disintegrating. If yep. it's in a grave or cremated or, I mean, you think of those poor people that were just decimated just on 9-11. Yeah. Or in an explosion somewhere. Yeah. You've got that body that is breaking down molecularly, just you know, never disappearing, but right. just uh, uninhabitable. And then you've got this perfect body yeah. that we're waiting for on the resurrection day. We have neither in the traditional model. Right. We are disembodied spirits. And again, I say Paul wrote in Greek, but he thought like a Hebrew. Yeah. And the Hebrew world is wonderfully, surprisingly physical. Yeah. I mean, look at the Genesis account. Yeah. It is concrete physicality. Uh, this is good. This is very good in, in the Genesis story. The, yes. The granular texture of all those details. Yeah. So all that to say, dude, because I'm just being mindful of time to drop this here. Maybe we could yeah. we could we could do a Q&A on this at sure. some point in the future. This, sure. Any of you say, hey, I'd like to drill down more on this. What about this? What about that? But I love the thought. I'm going to personalize it. This doesn't make it true. Sure. But I love the thought that when my father-in-law died 12 years ago and Connie was with him, yep. she was the last one in the room. I can see all this now. And I asked her one time, Mom, do you mind telling me what that was like? Because at that point, all the siblings, the kids left. Yeah. And they said, Mom, said, yeah, let me just have this moment. Because yeah. the nurse had said, Steve's about to draw his last breath. And I just know she said the sweetest things in his ear about her love for him, yeah, kind of husband he was, how much she'll miss him, that she was going to be okay. You know, and now we know she had 12 more years before it was her time. Yeah. I love the thought that when Steve died in 2011, he opened his eyes. I believe see Jesus first. Yep. I really, dude, it's going to be hard to sell me on anything else. But right. That. <laughs> but that, that nearest welcoming committee. Yeah. Behind him, around him, however that works, that he sees her. Yeah. Right away. So for her, she lived the absence here. Yeah. He never lived in a moment. Yeah. And dude, ooh, gives me the chills every time I think about it. Yeah. And I actually think it's more biblically yeah. uh, provable yeah. than the traditional model. Yeah. So. No, I, I agree 100%. I mean, uh, so. You and I have talked about this. Yeah. I we've talked for years about this. Oh yeah, I've I've never I, I've grown up in uh, Christian tradition. Yeah. Uh, so grew up with the traditional model of death, disembodied spirit, all that. Never really fit with me for a couple reasons. One is how I and and I get being in the presence of God in the presence of Jesus. With that, there's also this kind of weird connect, like people from heaven can see and 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 observe the yeah. things that are going on here. I've never been a fan of that either, dude. Um, I think it's weird. How can you see and interact and experience those things that are going on here? Right. Um, 
and not feel sad and brokenhearted. I know. Uh, I mean, God looks down at the things that we do, and he tells us that he's brokenhearted over those oh, things. Oh, of course. I mean, so that just, that never clicked, that people could see into what's going on here, and but they're so happy to be with Jesus that they're just fully focused on him and worshiping him, but yet they can still yep. kind of ponder and, and see this. Yep. Uh, it doesn't make sense. The other thing that doesn't make sense is, you're 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 essentially talking about two punishments for the unbeliever. Yeah, you you die and you go to hell. That's a very and good then point. you're briefly resurrected to receive your final judgment, which is going back to hell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't it doesn't quite comport with again what I see scripture talking about. The other thing that really doesn't fit with is is the narrative of what we see where God creates Adam. He creates his physical body, forms him, right? I love that language, you yep. know, forms him from the dust of the ground, like literally gets his hands dirty, making yep. Adam, yep. and then breathes into him the breath of life. The body was there, yes, but it wasn't until God breathed life into him that Adam is now alive. You sound like a Hebrew, brother. And and Where again, that's human existence yes, is understood as yes. body and spirit, and that's what I was getting not to. Spirit only is that the ancients did not believe that one could exist without the other. That's a, dude. That's a Greek thought. Yeah, I I, I I couldn't agree more. That is pure Platonic Aristotle, which has really influenced our culture. I mean, yeah. dude, think of the ghost stories, yes. right? Think of uh, and you know, I read all those and enjoy all those. Sure. But I, when I when I'm really putting my thinking cap on, yeah, wait a minute, yeah, the 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 the, the picture in Hebrew scripture is very physical, yes, concrete, and again, dude, again, as we've said, think when we talk to kids, yeah, they're often weirded out by heaven. I personally think because we've let too much other stuff creep in, yeah. I heard a person say recent. Now they were just making a joke, so I, I don't. I'm not policing them. Sure, but they were talking about somebody up in heaven. He goes, and I picture them sitting on I don't know a cloud or a chair or whatever they have up there, and people chuckled. But dude, they're not sitting on a cloud. Yeah. I'm just gonna say that it's um, that is disembodied spirit stuff. Yeah, which is a powerful operative concept in most people's minds. Yeah. Because the the Greek philosophy is in Well, dude, remember doesn't this all go back to Plato? I'm no expert, but yeah. remember for Plato there was the they were the forms. Yeah. The, so yeah. there's the copies, the chairs, but there's the ideal chair. Yes. Which is not really physical. Right. It's it's a, it's a realm. the Gnostics. Yes. Which borrowed heavily from Greek philosophy believed oh the, the body's kind of irrelevant. Yeah. So it led to all kinds of ridiculous things. Ah sexual adultery, schmultry, that's nothing. Right. It's the spirit by which we commune with God. It's a very kind of almost anti bodily view yeah. of things, anti physical view of things, but that's definitely not what we see in scripture. Yes. And the hope of Easter is not that Jesus' spirit went to heaven. Right. It's that his body yes. was seen. Yes. Thomas put you. And that's the hope. Yes. So I've always found the traditional view uh, not a blatant contradiction per se, but kind of an odd waiting room there, idea. There are some holes that just don't make sense. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, and so from that, uh, I actually, growing up, uh, went to a church fairly young where the predominant theological belief was soul sleep. Yeah. And for the longest time, that's uh, I would argue and defend that because I think that makes more sense that our body, we are not just up in heaven with yep. God where you know, we're floating around, but but our souls are basically laid dormant until the, the body and soul can be united together. Yeah. And to me, that that made more sense. And then you and I had this conversation. Yeah. Um, and as a person who enjoys uh, not just science fiction, but science, yeah. and that concept of time, I think it combines everything that we see in Scripture, yeah. right? We know... That from before the foundation of the world, God chose me. But the only reason he could choose me is through the blood of Christ that had not yet come at the foundation of the world. Yes, And we see that um, Moses and Elijah come back and meet Christ uh, during the transfiguration. Yeah. Uh, there are some things that are going on there, and, and we're not told that they're spirits. No. Well, if they're spirits, it's interesting because they're obviously in a form that they can be recognized. Yes. Uh, Peter even seems to. Now, part of that is he's never seen the uh, the Polaroid. Um, <laughs> I don't know that there were artistic depictions. There's some supernatural element. But the picture is physical. Yeah. See, dude, I'm glad you brought that up because I've had people that will say, Greg, I hear your view. I understand it. I think the appearance of Moses and Elijah disproves it because you've got people that that went to heaven, right, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. You know, Elijah was carried up, and Moses died. Mm-hmm. We don't, you know, his body, um, you know, we don't know where it's buried. Uh, so you've got them dead, and then here they are before the resurrection. I actually argue, like you do, dude, that their appearance, yeah, the way it's described in keeping with Jesus, seems, in Jesus' case, I think it's a preview Yeah of his glorified cosmic post-resurrection body. Again, God can do this. He's outside of time. And it appears to me that Moses and Elijah seem to share in that same glory. So I almost think Moses and Elijah get there at the same time. Right. Hey, guys, got a quick mission for you. Right. (laughs) Um, I'm sending you back into this key time. And again, the, the theological symbolism is rich. Moses, who represents the law, Elijah, the prophets, the law and the prophets on either side of Jesus bearing testimony to him. What's the voice from heaven? This is my son. Yeah. The law agrees. The prophets agree. The father agrees. This is the one unique son of God. Um, If anything, I think that fits better in the model we're proposing. Because the reality is the other way. Okay, so, so now they've got their resurrected, glorified bodies. Yeah. Because again, if they were ghosts, I think we would hear about it. Because what happened when Jesus is walking on the oh, water, yeah. the disciples think Jesus is a ghost. Yes. They're freaking out. Of course. Yeah. If if they were in disembod they were disembodied spirits, right. the disciples would have been freaking out. Right. I mean, this is not the people in the ancient world are not comfortable with ghosts. Right. It bothers them. Yeah. No, particularly Jewish people, dude. I right. couldn't agree more. It's uh it's a strange concept. They were not influenced as we were by Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd right. and Harold Ramis, right? Right. Uh, you know, um, who are you going to call? So it's a, um, 
I, I, I'm with you, dude. I, I'll tell you the other thing uh, that I like. Let me see if I can find it really quickly. I know we're going to wrap up. Here. Yeah. Well, while you're doing that, like, again, the idea. So so they're going to be resurrected in these bodily forms, yeah. and then that's going to be taken away until the judgment day. Right. You know, and it's like right. what? Because, again, we don't seem to get an indication that they're going to maintain the bodily form. Right. I mean, it's you either have a form or you don't. Uh, yes. Um, and I think that explanation, when when you were talking to me about that, that idea, uh, again, I think it, it's a more complete idea than soul sleep. Right. And I think it resonates with everything we see in Scripture, with God fully being outside of time and space. Yes. It just, it resonates so clearly with, yeah, this is, this is our boundary. This is our limitation, right? Yeah. This is part of human existence that we... We move forward in time, but God exists in all times, all at once. Well, and isn't that the thing? To, like, really, the only challenge to this would be for any man. People say, "Well, I'm sorry, dude. You, you know, you and I have been talking about some time travel stories. Yeah. That's a whole other subject. Uh, so it's fictitious, etc." But the only one I know of who would not be challenged by time. You and I are boxed into it, brother. right? Can't do anything yeah. about it. My beginning was 1970. My end, only the Lord knows. Right. Uh, and there ain't anything I'm going to do about it. Yep. Can't go back to 1986. Can't go back to 95. Much as I'd love to reverse terrible, stupid decisions <laughs> like we all would, you live with them and you're boxed in. Yep. God isn't boxed in. No. By the time, as your point, he saves because he, he lives through it all. Yeah. He's not boxed into this linear thing. Um, and I, And I think, you know the fact that he's outside of time makes me think this is nothing for him. Yeah. To do this, here, dude, uh, I'm going to read it to you in two two versions because people might hear it better in one. The end of Hebrews 11. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not trying to read too much in this. This this I would put on par with a hint. Mm -hmm. uh, you know Hebrews 11, the Hall of Faith chapter. You've got yeah. the, the Moses, Abraham. You've yeah. got all the greats, David. You've got. You know, the, the end, they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth, all the saints that have come before. Yeah. You know, we, a whole Old Testament history. And then he says, and all these, though commended through their faith, Hebrews 11, 39, did not receive what was promised. Verse mm -hmm. 40, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Hmm. That's interesting to me. Yeah. Or uh, let me read it in the NIV where it puts it more positively. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us so that, and it puts it positively here, only together with us hmm. would they be made perfect. Is that a possible hint at... We're all arriving, yeah, together. Yeah. So Abraham, all the, we're getting there together. Yeah. Couldn't you see God just said, "Boy, I have a day, and it isn't just a staggered entrance policy." Right. Well, okay, we'll let you in. Uh, Seventeen hundred. We're gonna let this little group in. What if we all come flooding into that place? Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Dude. Now, here's what I always say. Yeah. When it's my time. Or if he returns and I'm wrong, 
I'll just be happy that I'm there. Right. And everybody can come, hey, Dutcher, yeah, you really nailed that thing, right? <laughs> I'll be like, you guys, uh, yep, I butchered that, and dude, I will be happily wrong. Yeah. Because if the Lord is doing something else that I've missed, and I'm, oh, I didn't connect the dots here. Okay, I see. But, you know, so I want to stress that at the end. This is not something believers uh, over which we need to divide, yeah, not even no, remotely. No. Right? I mean, I, I would just say, if you want to have a fun little debate, yeah, uh, I think you and I both feel, dude, a lot more confident in this view yeah. than I do the other. Sure. But again, it goes back to our first podcast when we relaunched. I don't accord this the weight yes. of the deity of Jesus yeah. or um, the sufficiency of what Christ did on the cross yeah. for our salvation. Not somebody somebody holds a gun in my head and says, I start oh. needing... Preaching the uh, traditional view of it. Okay, yep, I'm fine. Let's I'll do, do it. it. <laughs> yeah, I, I still get to preach Jesus. Yeah, hope of heaven. I'm there. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's that's a good way to to, uh, uh, to conclude. And I'll say this, Nathan, uh, to any of our listeners, because uh, I know um, if you're newer, you say, "Oh, I've never heard this before." Boy, that that's an odd view. Let us know if this interests yeah. you. We could always come back at this, revisit this with a little more. Clarity, maybe yeah. deal with some potential objections. Yep. Uh, what about this? What about that? Because there's a few yeah. that uh, people have hit me with. I think well, that's a good point. Let's talk about that. Uh, but just thought we'd have some fun with that today. Yeah, absolutely. And again, the the whole key of this is the hope that we have in Jesus. Yes. That, you know, all all of the sadness, all of the tears, those will one day be done away with. How how we get there, how it happens. Yeah, let's have fun with it. Let's Absolutely. debate it. But the certainty that, um, you know, as the creeds put it, he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Yeah. That we know for certain. Yes. Dude, 100%. But, dude, not to contradict any of those good points, but let's reveal a little insight base. Why don't we make this a really scintillating, provocative title like Greg thinks... We've all got heaven wrong. Woo! There we go. Dude, that gets... What What kind of heresy is this guy shoveling? <laughs> right? Uh, and that way, dude, notice. You can put yourself in there, dude. I'm trying yeah. to avoid you taking any more hits, yeah. Mr. Christian school teacher. Um, <laughs> out there, you know, I, I could take it. But, um, you know, sometimes you think, oh, how do we catch people's attention? Yeah. Not in a salacious way, but in a, in a thoughtful Thought way. Thought-provoking way. Yes. Yeah. But, dude... I've loved how we've ended yes. on this short little topic for September yeah. and uh, eager to see where uh, the fall takes us. Yes. Looking forward to them, my friend. Till the next time, we just rock the Casbah. Yes, sir. Thank you again for listening to These Go to 11, an unchurchy conversation about everyday faith. Once again, please make sure you like, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcast platform. And if you ever find yourself in the Forest Hill, Maryland area, please feel free to stop by at 135 Industry Lane, and you can get all of our service times and information at ChristFC.org. These go to 11.